Good evening. Yes, across the tracks. Good evening, across the tracks podcast. We are back, and I am Wayne. I'm Steve. All right. Yeah. So it's been a pretty productive week for everybody, I imagine. I just we had a conversation before we uh, decided to start recording this, and uh, sounds like you had a productive week. And yeah. my week has always been pretty productive. Not a, not a lot to do. Couple yeah. meetings I had to go to this week, you know. So, but it's all good now. It's uh, it's starting to get a little fall around here now in Indianapolis. The weather uh, kind of cooled down on us a little bit uh, this weekend. I uh, did an Alzheimer's walk yesterday, oh, awesome. and uh, some of the uh, fraternity brothers we do several things, and so yesterday was an Alzheimer's walk. And uh, we did that, you know, wanting to give back to the community in some way and give back to Alzheimer's research. So that's uh, that's what we that's what we did, you know. Uh, so that's that's about it. Everything else around here is going fine, man. Oh yeah, I was uh, spent the week in uh, Arizona working for the week, and uh, you know, spent some time catching up on a few projects uh, that uh, our team had going on. So. And, you know, always good to soak in the warm temperatures because it was it was a little cold here for a few days. So I I missed the cold and uh, and the snow that came through and uh, came back uh, late Friday night from Arizona. So today we're back in the 60s, uh, sunshine, warm. So that's Colorado for you. But fall is in the air. The leaves are falling. Uh, the the foliage is changing color. So good time to be in the Rockies and experiencing that fall experience. So oh, cool. Cool. Well, I guess I'll find out uh, a couple weeks from now. I'll be out in the Rockies myself, uh, mm-hmm. hanging out with my daughter, Stephanie. We're going to go out in uh, Fort Collins for okay. uh, about four or five days and then, uh, you know, get ready for the get ready for the winters around here. That's for sure. Yeah, hopefully this, the, you don't get any uh, snow or anything because you're going to be a little north of, of where I am. So that's uh, Denver got quite a bit of snow last week. I think they got maybe four or five inches last week, whereas we got a you know trace, but it was cold. We had the wind chill. So hopefully you don't get to experience any major snow accumulation while you're up there. So uh, well, you know, it's it's all what it is. Is what it is. You know, it is true. That is true. All right, all right. What we got on top topic for tonight? Well, like man. you say, it, it it wasn't not uh, it wasn't a whole lot going on. You know, from like I said, we were both doing our respective things. But there's a couple of things that uh, that I wanted to, to touch on tonight. One is a fallback to our last podcast. I think uh, one of the topics we talked about uh, was the WNBA playoffs, and so this week. My Washington Mystics won the WNBA championship. So, uh, all right. Yeah, the Mystics won the WNBA finals. It was a great game. It was a great series. Um, it was, came down to final game, winner take all game, and it was a great game uh, overall. And uh, I just have to give props to those ladies uh, for the way they compete. And uh, I wish more. Um, you know, attention could be brought to the women's game because I think it's great. And like I said, I've, I've, I've been a, a basketball junkie for, uh, you know, growing up in Kentucky. Kentucky's a basketball state. So, you know, watching basketball, playing it for pretty much uh, the big share of my adult life, uh, I, I love the game. And so when you sit and watch these ladies play, it's pure fundamental basketball. They compete hard. 
but there's a spirit of camaraderie when that game is over. They're shaking each other's hand and congratulating each other. A little different from the men's game because it's not played above the rim and a lot of not a, not a lot of the bravado that's that's attached to the men's game. But I want to throw a shout out to the Washington Mystics uh, for winning the WNBA Finals. So great, oh, cool. great yeah. season for the Mystics and their their uh, the team they played against Connecticut Sun. Uh, they were really tough. Uh, tough out this year so i expect them to be back next year competing uh for another title so shout out to all the ladies of the wnba and the the manner which they competed this year so so the second thing i want to throw out is um we had a podcast this was early in the podcast uh when we started doing this i think it might have been our third maybe third or fourth show we had a music show and we were talking about music from back in the day and, you know, that type of thing. So this week uh, we had a passing of, of a legend uh, in R&B. And a lot of people may not may not know this gentleman. But uh, when I mention uh, the group and the song that this individual uh, had a key part on, you're going to be saying, wow, yeah. So the group was the average white band. Okay. The guy who passed was Molly Duncan. He's one of the co-founders of the group. But Molly Duncan is the guy who played that fantastic horn solo on Pick Up the Pieces. Yeah, yeah, yep. He played that horn solo on Pick Up the Pieces, which was a huge hit. I think Pick Out the Pick Up the Pieces came out in 1975. I think the year we graduated. Yeah, was it was a huge hit uh, back in 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 the day. And so Molly Duncan passed this week, co-founder of Average White Band, and um, had that great solo on really one of the biggest hits. They had a lot of hits, but a lot of folks who may not be familiar with AWB, when you mention Pick Up the Pieces, like oh yeah yeah. But they had tons of hits. Cut the cake, person to person, schoolboy crush, love of your own. We could go on and on. But oh yeah, rest, yeah. rest in peace, uh, Mr. Molly Duncan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I tell you the the one thing that that's really odd is that you know I think the majority of the group was from Scotland. Yes. Yes. And but you, it's it's weird that you don't hear their accent when they sing. Nope. <laughs> you know, um, and there's several bands like that. I, I, I guess they're singing for the American audience, but you could not tell that this group was from Scotland. Nope. And man, they were the average white band. I mean, of course, back in the seventies, <laughs> just about every white band was an average white band because you know, R&B growing up in, in, in our neighborhoods was what all, all that we listened to. Yeah. And yep. then when they came out with, um, you know, cut the cake and pick up the pieces yep. and, you know, those the whole series of hits that they came out with, you know, they just became normal music to us. You know, of course, everybody was just normal to us, because if you grew up in the 70s like we did, and we're kind of musical people, even though I never played an instrument. I love listening to all forms of music, all types of music, all styles of music. And so the average white band is just one of those groups that we just latched on to. Right, right. You know, same way with Hall and Oates. Right. <laughs> you know, and same thing. You know, here are these uh, blue-eyed soul singers and uh, Player and, you know, uh, Gino Vanelli and all those guys that, you know, 
that were were white that you know made their uh, uh, made their names in playing funk and R and B. Right, right. You know, Wild Cherry was a one hit wonder, uh, but well, I'll tell Cherry. you, yeah, that, that <laughs> one know. hit, that one hit was bam, man. That that one hit set it off. I mean. Many parties we jammed to that that one hit they had. I mean, it oh, was, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of bands tried to, you know, cover bands played that song at parties. Yep. You know, uh, and it was like, you know, it was it was the 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 the, the overall uh, vibe of the song. You know, play that funky music, white boy. White boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, they they're playing it, man, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it's funk. And it's it's rocking, it's jamming, and it, and it was funk, man. And that's like you say, we embrace that, man, because I think our mantra has always been: if the music is good, we don't care if you're red, black, green, or purple. We're gonna listen to it. We're gonna listen to and it, we're, and we're gonna play it. And uh, and that's that's how a lot of these you say you blue eyed soul, but a lot of those groups uh, to this day uh, still garner much respect within the black community. Uh, because of the music that they put out, the music that has stood the test of time. Um, one of the one of the most, and you know, we're we're talking about music here a bit, but one of the one of the people who I think black people, uh, the black community has much love for is Tina Marie, and, oh, yeah. and Tina Marie just like came on the scene and just exploded uh, with the help of Rick James, of course, but. But Tina Marie was, uh, you know, she had hit after hit after hit and was much loved in the black community. Uh, you mentioned Gino Vanelli, uh, Rare Earth. I mean, mm-hmm. listen to Rare Earth back in the day. Oh, Paul, yeah. Uh, even David Bowie, you know, we were jamming fame, man, at, at a lot of parties because it, it had that funk vibe, man, you yeah. know. So, um, you know, getting back, you know, we, we want to, you know, say rest in peace, Mr. Molly Duncan, average white band. Uh, and uh, that was a, a, a legendary group. They're still performing uh, to this day. They're still out on tour. So if you do get a chance to catch them, I caught them uh, maybe about three years ago. They were here at the Winter Park Jazz Festival here in uh, outside of Denver, and they put on a hell of a show, man. And uh, the crowd just blew, just lost their minds when they did pick up the pieces. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you have to uh, make sure you keep reminding us when the Winter Park <laughs> Jazz Festival is because you know last summer we were kind of tied up a little bit. Right, right. But I've been dying to get out there to that, you know. So um yeah, yeah you, just keep reminding us that yeah. we wanna we wanna get out there and and uh, see what's going on with all that for sure. We do that. It is it is a festival that uh, I was totally caught off guard the very first year we went because I'm thinking, you know, it's a local jazz festival, you know, you got like some local local artists that are doing their thing. And the first year we went, uh, man, the lineup was off the chain. We had the OJs, you know, all the smooth jazz. Paul Taylor, if you're into smooth jazz, Paul mm-hmm. Taylor, Gerald Albright, Norman Brown. Uh, and then the, it just kept getting better every year. And I think the the year we went that really just like just blew our minds was Charlie Wilson was here. And if you've never seen Charlie Wilson in person, I encourage you to go see Uncle Charlie because he puts on a show. Uh, not only does he do all the Charlie Wilson stuff, 
But Charlie Wilson is one of the co-founders of the Gap Band. So Charlie right. Wilson, he does all the Gap Band songs. So you get your money's worth, man, with Uncle Charlie. So that that festival has just continued. They're in there like their 30, 36th, 37th year. And the acts just keep getting better every year. We didn't make it this year because we, too, were tied up. But we hope to get back on track uh, next year. And we'll keep you guys advised because we'd love for you to come out, hang out, and and share that experience with us. Yeah, that's, that'd be cool, man. We look yeah. forward to that. So what's on your mind this week, my friend? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Wayne. There's an interesting little side note. You know, I don't watch a lot of NBA basketball. I just... I mean, I just gravitated away from it. Right. However, you know, this um, democracy movement that's taking place in Hong Kong, uh, they've been protesting every weekend since the midsummer, early summer, because 1997, Hong Kong was given their independence from Britain. And the Chinese government, the communist Chinese government, they are still communist. They said that they were going to let Hong Kong kind of develop on their own and not have very much interference in um, in Hong Kong for, I want to say it was 50 years. Well, they, the government of China has reneged upon that, and now they're starting to put pressure on the citizens of Hong Kong, and they're they're passing laws or creating decrees that if there's any democracy demonstrations and so on in Hong Kong, those people can be arrested and tried in on mainland China, part of their government, and the protest uh, has grown each. Each and every week, it's gotten larger and larger. There's millions of people protesting. Kind of uh, similar to what went on in Tiananmen Square in 1989 with the, you know, the pro-democracy movement. And something very similar is happening. Now, here's the connection with the NBA. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, but the NBA is now seeing China as a huge dollar sign. Uh, NBA players are seeing China as a huge marketing and dollar sign. And so a lot of these NBA players are going over there and they've got shoe contracts. And of course, the Chinese are just now getting into uh, free markets and so on. They've been probably 20, 20, 30 years now, but now they've become a major player in the world scene. And so now the NBA is going to play some exhibition games in China. Well, the uh, GM of the Houston Rockets tweeted out that he was in support of the pro-democracy demonstrators in Hong Kong. And the Chinese government blew a gasket, blew up, and they're in the process process now of putting pressure on the NBA and having uh, this GM, I think he was the GM from Houston, the Houston Rockets, to apologize 
and then they're thinking about maybe not even uh, allowing these exhibition games to take place. And these NBA players like LeBron and Steve Curry and uh, the coach of the um, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, and so on, you know, they haven't said anything about it now, but the um, NBA is seeing a loss of revenue. And they're also seeing that possibly um, they're going to lose money on their salary cap because of, you know, when you got a, a billion or more um, Chinese and they all are wanting to market and buy American goods and buy American sneakers and so on. Uh, they're looking at losing money. On the other end, the uh, some Chinese people are um, don't want the NBA to do that, to speak out in in favor of democracy because they are afraid. This is my own thought. They are afraid that they're going to get in trouble with the government. And you well know that even though that China uh, says that it is by all means a um, kind of a republic slash communist democratic government, they still are in control. They control everything. And so they don't want to get in trouble by that. So it's going to be interesting and see how what happens with what what's going on in Hong Kong right now. And the other thing that's going to be interesting is to see uh, what the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is going to do when the president of China has some negative thoughts there since that he is I'm talking about the occupant his um doesn't have the backbone to stand up to the Chinese leader or the leader of Russia. So that's the thing that I thought that, that came up, and um, I wanted to bring that up. What do you think? No, I, I've been following that. Um, um, the guy you mentioned, the GM for Houston, Daryl Morey, yeah, he he came out and said, you know, hey, I, I stand with the people of Hong Kong. And um, the NBA, to their credit, uh, the commissioner, Adam Silver, said, you know, hey, we have never infringed on our employees, um, you know, people, you know, members of the WNBA, I mean, the NBA, the NBA community uh, speaking out uh, because we are guaranteed freedom of speech. Yeah. You know, we are guaranteed freedom of speech. And so. Um, for him to say, hey, I, personally, I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, hey, we stand with the people of Hong Kong. Uh, you know, it, it's this whole thing of these leaders of these countries wanting to subjugate people and hold them down and not let them have any um, thoughts of their own or ideas of their own. You know, they want to control people to that level. It's ridiculous, man. And so the fact that not only did the GM, the commissioner supported it. You've had some players in America said, you know, hey, yeah, we 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 stand with uh, with, with the people of Hong Kong, just as W. Uh, I keep going back to the WNBA, <laughs> but the WNBA is part of the NBA community. And Absolutely. So the the players in both communities, both leagues, have always spoken spoken out against injustice where they see it. Right. You know, so to me, this is no different. 
the the issues going to come is whether or not the league is going to continue to hold their position that they support players speaking out because we are guaranteed freedom of speech under the First Amendment. Or are they going to cave to the Chinese government because there is so much money to be made there? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's we're going to see what. Uh, what the NBA is all about, whether or not the commissioner is still going to stand behind players in the league expressing themselves where they see injustice being done. Now, like you segue to the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, yet he has yet to say anything. But I guarantee you, if President Xi in China starts saying, hey, you need to say something against these guys speaking out against what's going on. I guarantee he would probably cave into this guy and start tweeting that the NBA should do this or that and that. You know, he, he would do that because he has no backbone and, and he's not going to stand up. I don't see it. He's not going to stand up for anybody in this country, uh, especially where it comes for people being mistreated or injustice is occurring. He's not going to say anything. You know, so uh, it's an interesting situation. Uh, As of today, I think uh, Adam Silver is still standing with his decision uh, to support the GM, the Houston GM, support players that want to speak out on it. He hasn't caved yet. But you're right. There's a billion dollar industry at stake here. Shoe contracts, TV rights, all kind of stuff, man. Uh, So we're going to see. We're going to see how much people truly believe in standing up for injustice. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I, this is what I think, Wayne. I, I, I can almost bet that there is going to be an NBA league launched in China. And that's a strong possibility. And I also think if there is not going to be an NBA league launched in China, there is going to be somebody from China that's going to come – to the United States and buy a team. I can see that too. And if they do buy a team or they launch an NBA uh, league in China, that's going to cause some major problems because that free speech that we talk about, that we adhere to supposedly, according to uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution, that's going to be challenged because China may say that they're, you know, leaning towards democracy in which they're not. They're going to have to deal with um, these NBA players and players that are NBA like in China. That's going to have the um, the wherewithal and the option to speak their mind. If they're not going to speak their mind, then they're controlled by the Chinese government. And I can see that happening quite, quite easily. The, the Chinese government, you know, with them still in our property rights and our AI and all that stuff, I guarantee you that every one of those student protesters that's out there, they probably already know who they are. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of like uh, in 1989 when the uh, Tiananmen Square uh thing happened. You had all these um, TV stations like CNN and NBC and CBS and all that. They were all there interviewing these people. And at the same time, the, the Chinese government was um, stealing their signals. Yep. <laughs> and as soon as they decided to crack down, they knew who everybody was. Yep. So I can guarantee you now with, I mean, 
with facial recognition. You know, they know who these people are, even though that they are wearing masks. Uh, they're they're, you know, carrying umbrellas and things like that to hide their identity. I guarantee you that probably the Chinese government knows who these people are already. Yeah. So when it comes to the NBA and hopefully Silverman st- sticks by his gun and we hope that the um, the uh, the league uh, stands independent and is not pressured by, you know, the occupant at 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, because like you said, he has no backbone nope. and he's afraid of President G. You know, so, you know, all the things that G is able to do, he's tried to do here. You know, he wants to to uh, label the media as being, you know, fake news or the enemy of the people. You know, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) You know, without a I mean, look, he doesn't know crap about the First Amendment of the Constitution. He doesn't know crap about the Constitution. Nope. (laughs) You know, know, seriously, I mean, it's sad that people voted this guy into office that doesn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he must have been absent the day civics class uh, was was held because he doesn't know anything about how the government functions. He doesn't know anything about checks and balances. He knows nothing about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. He knows he is ignorant when it comes to how the government that you're supposed to be the leader of functions are supposed to function on a day to day basis. He is clueless. And so, um, um, you, you mentioned, you know, the possibility of someone from China coming over here, buying a team or getting an NBA franchise. I would hope the league would immediately put a um, put a halt to that because of, because of what you said. If 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 someone from a communist government is allowed to come to the U.S. and buy a sports franchise, then the possibility, yes, is very strong that they could say, I own this franchise. These are my rules. And that is not going to go over well. That is not going to go over well. So I'm hoping the league would step in. And and there are certain things in place to prohibit uh, certain foreign interests from buying into certain aspects of the U.S. government. And so I think the league... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you said that, the first thing I thought of is that the occupant at 1600 yeah. Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue, yeah. Yeah. he just ignores that shit. Right. Yeah, he, he ignores everything. But I, I would think the league would like, look, we need to, we need to take a look at this because, one... We have to stand with our players, the bulk of whom are American-born players. American-born players, again, they have rights guaranteed by the Constitution, and you cannot allow some foreign entity to come in, take over one of your franchises, basically one of your divisions within your business, and say, I'm imposing these rules on them because I own the team and therefore, they're going to do what I say. That's not going to work. Right. So, um, they, but the NBA has been flirting with this for years, man. A lot of the things the NBA has done, I think they've come to regret. They'll never admit it. 
But the NBA, when they got in bed with hip hop years ago and, and the fan base started to change, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And, and people were complaining about the music at the arenas and, and, and things that were going on in the arena because the bulk of the music being played in between timeouts and at halftime, it was a hip hop nature. And so it turned off a lot of the fan base that used to visit those arenas. And so the NBA, I think, to an extent, they saw dollar signs because they saw hip hop as being profitable. But you got to understand who your fan base was and who a huge part of your fan base was, who were the owners of your teams. And you they didn't take a look at that. All they saw was dollar signs. Same thing's happening now. They see dollar signs in China, but they're going to have to tread carefully and, and be very aware of the fact that they don't allow influence from a foreign government to seep in to the league. And it starts turning players off because we have certain rights guaranteed that a lot of these foreign entities, especially these communist governments, they don't care about. Their goal is to keep people down. And that, that's not going to that's not going to work here in the U.S. of A. Yeah. 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 That's that's true. That is not going to work. And so uh, I think the NBA has to walk a fine line here. Uh, Yao Ming is the president, I think, of Chinese basketball Hall of Famer. Played for the Houston Rockets for years. Yao Ming is in a tough position right now, too. You know, he knows because, uh, you know, Houston embraced him. Uh, he played pretty much all his all his career for the Rockets and uh, one of the biggest uh, names in Chinese basketball. So he has to tread a fine line, too, because he's the president of Chinese basketball. And right now he pretty much has to do uh, what the government's telling him to do when it comes to you know, how they deal with the NBA. Right. Right, right. right. So it should be interesting here the next couple of weeks with how this plays out. So. Yep, yep. All right, another another topic that's uh, kind of an international or uh, Middle East topic. Uh, at the beginning of the week, the current occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue had a phone call with the authoritarian dictator of Turkey. And at the end of this phone call, the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue decided that, hey, we're going to pull U.S. troops out of northern Syria. And by doing so, he is allowing the uh, Turkish, Turkish uh, government and Erdogan, the president, to attack the people that did most of the fighting uh, in northern Iraq. We were supporting them with airstrikes and equipment and so on. But they did the bulk of the fighting. And then the occupant decided that the United States is no longer going to protect the, the Kurds, which is the uh, group that's been in northern uh, Iraq for centuries trying to establish their own identity, their own independence. 
uh, I think most of that came around as a result of World War One, you know, because uh, Iraq and Syria and uh, Kuwait and that area was controlled by the French uh, after World War One, um, and so they were, you know, given their independence after uh, so many years. And so the Kurds are kind of left there uh, to to uh, fight it out themselves as we pull our troops out. And uh, this is a situation where the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, once again, is clueless. He knows nothing. He knows nothing about diplomacy. Um, it's going to take decades once this guy leaves office for us to rebuild the trust in the allies that we've made uh, overseas. And um, we may not ever get those back uh, simply because uh, he knows nothing about politics. He knows nothing about diplomacy. He has no clue on how things were set in place from for decades and how touchy things are to keep alliances together. He has no clue on that. You know, he thinks that he knows everything. I mean, he said that, you know, he's he's pointed up towards the heavens and says that he's the chosen one. So he never makes a mistake. So uh, that's a that's a that's a major issue that we're going to have. And that, those people that supported us that we helped support now basically left on their own. Yep. Yep. As, as, as we used to say, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, people would do things and you were like, man, you know, that was a punk move, man. You know, that's what this was. This was a punk move because he wants to cater to dictators, uh, whether it's Putin, whether it's uh, Erdogan, whether it's G, whether it's uh, my man in South, uh, North Korea, uh, Kim, you know, he wants to cater to these guys. He wants to be like these guys. And the only thing he has done is basically he has forfeited the trust that took years and years to build up with our allies around the world. He has eroded that in three years since he's been in office. A lot of these countries that we were friends with, we had partnered with, they don't. They, now they're like, man, you can't trust the United States. You cannot trust the United States of America. Why? Because they've got an idiot for a president who knows nothing about alliances. He's no, He knows nothing about military strategy. He doesn't listen to the generals or the commanders who try to tell him, you know, this is how this needs to be handled or whatnot. Like you said, he knows everything. And we find, we have found out in three years, this dude is clueless about everything, you know? So basically he pulled U.S. troops out and left these people to be slaughtered by the Turks. And that's exactly what's going on. They're bombing these people, airstrikes, um, you know, ground forces are going to pour over the border. And these people are going to be slaughtered who had been helping us for years to defend that turf. The Russians are coming at these people from one side. The Turks are coming from the other. They're sandwiched and they're going to be slaughtered all because the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is a dipshit. And so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, that's 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 the simplest way to put it. And so, um, like you say, it's going to take years and years once he is out of office for the next president 
the next State Department, the next, uh, you know, intelligence, all the intelligence community, all that stuff that has been worn down because of this guy's, you know, defamation on people's character every day, the insults, the people's jobs that they do for this country, putting their lives on the line every day, the insult he has levied against our allies. It is going to take the next um, administration. It's going to take them years to restore the confidence that people had in the United States of America. It's sort of, it's sort of sad, especially for you and I, we, we've served in the military and we know how important uh, allies and, and alliances are when it comes to getting things done. Um, it, it's sad to see what has happened. So, Yeah. You know, uh, and, and the other thing, Wayne, is the, the fact that as, as long as we've been alive, you know, we've seen how presidents have reacted. We've seen when presidents have done the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. You know, so, I mean, I think the first time that we were able to vote for the president was in 1976. Yeah. Because we would have been at least 18 by then. Absolutely. Okay. So you think, you know, we've had to, uh, growing up, I mean, I've always been a political junkie. I've always watched politics. I've always watched the news. I've always read newspapers and so on. And so this guy is unlike any person that's ever been in that office. Yeah, he's he's going to, you know, the American people, not all American people, but the people that voted him in the office and say, oh, yeah, he's going to bring the change that America, that America has in there. He's going to drain the swamp. Well, hell, he's building the swamp. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, you know, once again, I don't want to, you know, stay on the subject too long, but he has absolutely no idea. And of all the presidents, let's go back. Let's look at Carter, 76, Ronald Reagan in 80, 84, uh, George W. Bush in 88, Clinton in 92, 96, uh, Baby Bush in 2000, 2004, Obama in uh, 2008, 2012, and then we get this fool. <laughs> I mean, all those presidents had issues, but they all acted presidential. They all acted with a decorum yes. that's, that is uh, significant, that is proper for a chief executive. Yes. And, you know, never, at least in public, have I of those presidents that we've we've talked about or I just mentioned, never have I ever heard them call somebody an asshole in public. Nope. No, or 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 cuss and swear. And people just his crowd, his audience, they love it. Yeah. That's I mean, they they don't want to see somebody acting presidential, they want to see the entertainer. They want to see the sideshow. Well, they've got a sideshow, and it's a sideshow of clowns that are in our government right now. We've got the Three Stooges. we got Bozo. we got Heckle and Jekyll. we got all those clowns from from the day that's now running our government. Yeah. It is. It, you're absolutely right, man. It's like it's like watching cartoons on Saturday morning, you know, one after another, you know, that all, all the cartoons, you know, coming on and all the antics and all this stuff. That's what we got. 
and every day it's something, man. And the and the the gentleman you mentioned, the prior administrations, um, yes, they all had issues, and and you know, but the respect for the office, how they handled the office, what their relationship was with the press, what their relationship was with other people, even though they may not agree with them. You never heard them disparaging people or calling people out of their name or all this kind of stuff or calling the press the enemy of the people. They had press conferences every day. They took the tough questions, you know. I don't know when the last time we've had a press conference from this. We haven't. We have, you know? He has decided upon himself, and, and I, 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 I'll give him credit for this. He has decided upon himself that I am tired of throwing the press secretary underneath the bus. So now all he does is that the press goes outside when he gets ready to get on the damn helicopter and he comes over and then he makes a fool out of himself. I'm going to take the tough questions. There's no sense of them lying and then contradicting me. So instead of me looking like a fool by them saying something, then me overruling them or saying something different, I may as well come out and bullshit these people myself. Right. <laughs> it, it's an embarrassment, man. It truly is. And and, and the, the educated people in this country who sit every day and watch these shenanigans, I know they're saying like, I, I can't believe our country did this, that we voted this buffoon in the office because every day he embarrasses this country. Uh, I had one, one of my assignments uh, when I was in the Air Force, I, w- I was in a NATO unit. And when you work around people from different countries, and we had Danish, we had British, we had Turkish, uh, I think we had a few Germans um, in, in this unit I was in, and all professional professional military people. But the one thing that was noticeable, even though we're you know we're in a foreign country, the U.S. is one of the allies attached to this unit. These other countries look to the U.S. to be the leader. You know, right. whatever, whatever was going on, even if, even if it was an exercise, the, the 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 entities of these other governments, they look to that U.S. commander to say, you know, lead the way. We have lost that. And that's that's what's sad about this whole thing is now you you don't these countries like we cannot trust you guys. Mm-mm. And it's all because of the the person who is currently occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So I, I don't like talking about this guy anymore. I sort of yeah, I know. I'm sorry I brought it up, man. Good. But uh, but when I when I bring up the news feeds on my phone, any article associated with him, I'm starting to skip it, man. Because every day <laughs> it's another lie. It's somebody lying for him. You know, um, ignore subpoenas. I mean, you're literally breaking the law every day, and no one seems to have a problem with that. Yeah. That's the hypocrisy of this whole thing. He's breaking the law every day by telling people, ignore subpoenas, don't do this. Don't. I mean, you're breaking the law, and people have no problem with that. So that's the hypocrisy of this entire thing. I cannot wait. Uh, for the election to come, we need to get rid of this guy to try to restore some dignity, dignity to the office of the presidency, restore some respect for this country around the world, and restore the trust of our allies who have supported us down through the years. 
to take on the tough challenges that have come up around the world. Uh, those folks are important, just as important to this country um, as as anything. So we need to get this rid of this guy so we can restore a lot of those institutions. Okay. Yeah. Let's. All right. One more topic here. One uh, more let's, topic. All right. Let's. There's a uh, an event. Uh, two actually two two sports events. It's kind of sports is kind of a thing that's on my mind. Uh, I don't know if we had a chance to talk about Alex and Felix and her uh, achievements or Simone Biles. And uh, I think we're getting close to you know the top of the hour. I just wanted to mention a couple things there. The first one, uh, Alex and Felix is an Olympic. Uh, athlete 400 200 100 she does it all and uh last weekend uh she was able to set a record of becoming the most decorated sprinter in world history she passed uh usone bolt as the most gold medals than anybody in the history of the uh, world championships or uh, the Olympics. And she did that. Uh, she was part of a four by four team that was a mixed team, which is, I think is kind of cool. Um, two ladies and two guys, and they ended up setting a world record and she ran like a 50, uh, 50 second split in her part of the race. That's 10 months after she had given birth. Wow. Yeah. That's remarkable. 10 months after giving birth, she's running a, a 50 second 400 meters. Wow. Yeah. With that, she becomes the most decorated uh, athlete as far as winning gold medals than anyone in history. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, she that she ran that race, and um, they were lauding her for, uh, you know, her accomplishment and the fact that yeah, she she just had a baby and she's back out there and and tearing up the track. So much love to Allison Felix. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough enough to run a fifty point right. <laughs> anyway, but right. you know. 10 months after having a child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that takes some, that takes some training. I mean, that takes you, she's, she's been around forever. I remember reading about her when she was eight, nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she went to college, I think she went to Penn state, if I remember correctly. And she left Penn state to go run professional and she's running two or three Olympic games. Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's remarkable. And the other thing is Simone Biles. How about Simone? Uh, she set a record of having the most uh, gold medal slash world championships than anyone in Olympic history as far as gymnastics goes. Yeah, she she won today, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Not only that, but she beat she beat her uh, competitors by not thousands of points that's normal for the olympics and and world championships for gymnasts but she beat them by two or three points i think it was yeah that's like that's like opening up a fissure 
and you fall into the center of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a huge, that's a big deal. You beat somebody for by more than a point. Yeah, she's just, I mean, she is just dominating uh, women's gymnastics, man. She's, she's dominating. Uh, and she does, she does so many of, you know, events within that. She does the beam, she does the floor, she vaults. I mean, she's an all around gymnast and, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know who's coming to take her place. <laughs> who's going to yeah. throne her. I, I'm not sure who's going to dethrone her because I'm, I'm not seeing anybody that's close. Yeah. And, and, you know, with the scandal that happened with the uh, the uh, doctor from Indianapolis and all the issues with uh, Bella uh, Caroli and his his yeah. team and all those things, it seems like the American gymnastics programs would have, should have fallen apart, but they'd gotten stronger. Yep. Yeah. Simone leading the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, those are those are some great stories, and uh, you know it's it's been a, a a good thing that's been happening in in sports in America. Oh, oh and and the other thing, speaking of sports, uh, the men's uh, four by one finally got the monkey off their back and won the gold medal in the uh, last week in the uh, world championships. Now, granted, your son Bolt. And the Jamaicans have retired, <laughs> but they bringing back the gold medal to the USA. Hey, you know, Usain Bolt was good, man. No, nobody was beating him or the Jamaicans for that stretch. So now the U.S. is like, OK, we, we got a chance now. So, yeah. But uh, hopefully they can continue that as we go into the uh, the 2020 Olympics. And, uh, you know, but since, you know. Men's track and field is it's not what it was, you know, especially when it comes to sprints, because you had domination by, you know, Usain Bolt, Jamaicans. Uh, they dominated the sprints, man. And, uh, you know, the long distance run, a lot of U.S. weren't winning long distance. It was Kenyans and, right. and, and other entities that, you know, uh, European runners were winning a lot of the long distance events. So. We'll see what the U.S. is poised to do for the 2020 Olympics uh, in Tokyo, uh, which is right around the corner. So uh, we'll see what both men and women's track, see what they're able to do. Yeah. All right. You got anything else, man? You want I, to I have a couple more things before we sign it off. So I was right. watching, I was watching uh, the, the, the CBS news show this morning, Sunday morning, and there was a there was a, a, a piece on there about this guy in Indianapolis and what he's done. He has built a park where I-65 and I think I-71 meet. I-70. I-70. He's yeah. built a park <laughs> and he's got a bunch of seats out there and he's got a, 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 a thing over the top to prevent sun from getting on people. And he's got about three rows of seats and people come there and sit and listen to the traffic. Yeah, and watch traffic. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't seen it, <laughs> but I was watching Sunday morning also. Okay. Lynn and I was watching it. <laughs> and, and as soon as they showed it, I said, that looks like 65 and 70. And then they said, well, it's in Indianapolis. It's 65 and 70. Okay. So we're like, we know exactly where it is because... <laughs> There's an optical illusion that takes place right at that spot, Wayne. Okay. So if you're taking 65 north 
through Indianapolis and you get to downtown, 70 comes in from the west side. But the traffic, there's three lanes of traffic that's on 70 that's going to turn into 65. Okay. So if you imagine driving straight and then you look to your left side and you see a tractor trailer coming right at you and you're going to meet at a specific spot, you could swear that you're going to be hit by that tractor trailer, truck, car, or whatever. But they stay in that lane and then you stay in your lane and the, the traffic merges together. But it's right at that point is where that little park is built. (laughs) But I I was telling Lynn, I said, every time I go that way, I swear a car is going to run right into me from the left side because there's a it's a curve. Imagine going straight and then there's a curve that turns and suddenly you're going the same direction. Wow. But you don't you don't see the curve. All you see is a truck or a car coming right at you perpendicular to you. And then suddenly it turns and curves up. And so right there is where that park is. Okay, I thought it was cool. (laughs) It is. I mean, you know, to get to it. I mean, I know exactly where it's at and didn't know about it really until I saw that that uh, story this morning on on. Sunday morning. And now when I go that way, I'm going to look for, (laughs) I'm going to look for the the little park that's sitting there. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I thought it was like, man, people say, yeah, we just sit out here. And after a while, it's like listening to the ocean because you hear the traffic going. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So like I said, I got to ask you about that. (laughs) I know exactly where it's at, man. Uh, it's just right, so uh, right in one spot. Awesome. Yeah. So um, the last thing I have, and uh, we'll wrap it up. I think it was about three, maybe, maybe we're going on three years. Maybe it's four years. I can't remember, but I think it's between three and four years. The uh, Cross the Tracks podcast was birthed on the cruise, and we've talked about the cruise several times. Uh, that the thought of doing the podcast came up while we were on the cruise. And, you know, we did a, a cruise with our friends, uh, you and your wife, Lynn, my wife, Cynthia, and then we had Joey and Sharon, and then we had Greg and Marilyn on there. And so we started talking about the podcast then. But the podcast, the birth of the podcast is not the issue I want to wrap up with tonight. The issue I want to wrap up tonight with is that on that cruise, we were celebrating our anniversary. And so this Tuesday is our wedding anniversary, 36 years. Uh, oh, all right. Congratulations. October the 15th. And we celebrated our anniversary on the cruise because uh, the cruise was around the same time. So right. so I uh, want to send a shout out to my lovely wife, Cynthia, 36 years together this Tuesday. Uh, I don't know why she lets me hang out with her and put up with me. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm grateful for it. Uh, truly couldn't have found a better partner. So 36 years this Tuesday, and uh, I'm uh, I'm extremely blessed and grateful uh, for uh, the love of a good woman in my life. So want to wrap up with that for tonight. That's cool, man. It's, it's, <laughs> to, to be for sure, uh, we just got back from a cruise a few weeks ago, and while we were on a cruise, Lynn and I had our 35th oh, wedding anniversary. Wow. Oh, hey. <laughs> 
Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're all getting up there in that 35, 36 year thing. I think Joe and Sharon are in that realm. Yeah. So, uh, I think we were like back to back. Joe and Sharon, okay. Okay. you and Cynthia, and then me and Lynn. Uh, we were like, we all got married within a year or two of yeah. one another. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you guys, man. Well, it's a, appreciate that. It's a true blessing because a lot of folks, man, they can't stay married for 10 minutes these days. <laughs> and so the fact that you guys are still together 35 years going strong, you enjoy each other's company. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on cruises together if you guys right. were enjoying each other's company and, and hanging out, having a good time and going through life. So that's what it's all about. So congratulations, you guys. Much love. Much love. Yeah, same to you. Appreciate that, man. And I guess we can say that to all of our friends and yeah. and so on that's that's hung out as long as we have. Yeah. And has been together as long as we have. You know, we have some friends that are that way. Yeah. And then we have some friends that only made it for a couple months or so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, you know, it takes a a lot of patience. Yeah. Uh it takes a lot of uh give and take. And uh it's not easy. Um we had, uh, you know, Broderick and uh, Danny, uh, they asked us, what, what is it that you do that, you, that made you last for 35 years? What, what happens? And then we said laughter, number one. And number two, we like taking cruises. <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, in, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I, Lynn and I went back to Eastern last weekend for homecoming. And uh, telling some of the uh, people that were there when we were there, I said, yeah, you know, we we met in college and we've been together ever since. Yeah. You yeah. know, so uh, it's it's a good deal. And, you know, you know, maybe we'll get another 35 years out of each other. We'll see. Yep. 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 We we met there in E-Town. And, uh, you know, that's uh, you know, that's that's where it started. And we've been all over the world together, military and. You're out here in Colorado now and raised a daughter together and she's doing well. And same thing with you guys. You guys have raised two wonderful kids and it's the experience of, of life. I think that that bonds you. Uh, the, the tough times make you stronger. And it's a good thing to know that uh, you someone has your back and vice versa. No matter yep. what comes, this person's got your back. And uh, they support you through the good, the bad. They take you for your, your when you're doing your foolishness and your, your crazy <laughs> ideas and all this stuff. Uh, they, they still support you. So I am grateful for that. And uh, I know you are as well. So absolutely. Yes, absolutely. sir. Yes, sir. Well, you got two small town uh, guys that grew up across the tracks and from small town America, uh, just uh, hanging out and voicing our opinions and living life as we go. And hopefully we can share uh, our blessings and you can share your blessings with us. And if there's anything that you, uh, the public, uh, wants us to discuss or have any issues, you just let us know. We'd love to um, have you on the show. We'd love to... Um, get some feedback from you and uh we just uh, glad that we're blessed that we're able to uh, come from a small town and continue to uh, uh, put forth small town values and um live life the way life is supposed to be done and god's blessing and uh, we go from there amen 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 so that is the broadcast for tonight appreciate you hanging out with us until we meet again, 
Peace out. Peace out.